Alright everybody, this is a new episode of Cube and Chaos. I'm here with Max today. Hello. It is a special episode since this is, well, for the first time planned as a two-parter and for the first time a bit more hot takes, which is something we don't normally do. We most of the time like take our time, play the cube, and yeah, then think about it a while and then we, we give our thoughts about it. But Today the news dropped that there will be an Artifacts Cube on MTGO. And if you have listened to our early episodes, we have talked quite a few times about Max's Star Wars Cube, or it started as a Star Wars Cube, but morphed into a, an Artifacts Cube, which is very similar to this one. So Max has put, I don't know, many, many hours into thinking about this cube before it has even become public, in a way. So yeah, Max, why don't you fill us in about... Um, what this new cube is about and how it is similar or different to your Star Wars cube. Sure. So I guess I'll start off by saying that um, the moniker is like uh, a work in progress, just like the cube itself for me. But um, Well, we have played yours in an early version at least. So we do have also a little bit of, of experience playing with some of the cards. Yeah, that's true. Um, funny thing, though, is uh, I was at one point considering just, okay, do I give up on coming up with a creative name and calling this the uh, Artifacts Nerdy Cube? And this is uh, <laughs> pretty much the uh, the name of the cube we have here. So tons of very striking similarities uh, right off the bat. Not to mention that this cube uh, was not something that was announced. This is uh, coming out ahead of schedule for Magic Online uh, because there was an issue with another event that was supposed to be uh, happening on the calendar right now. Uh, so this was a surprise for me in many ways. <laughs> Practically uh, fainted as I <laughs> as I saw this. Almost as surprising <laughs> as seeing my unfinished cube uh, show up on Magic Online instead of <laughs> instead of whatever the event would be. Uh, yeah, because, I, I believe you. Yeah, what are the main points of this of this cube? So my idea uh, for my cube was everything is going to be connected to artifacts one way or another. Uh, there are tons of different places to go to branch out from there. But basically what that means, cards either have a uh, word artifact in the type line or they have it somewhere in the text box. Uh, and that really seems to be the theme here. There are a number of cards um, that depart from that. That's pretty much you are trying to play cards that synergize in neat ways, mostly of the artifact variety. And there are a few uh, distinctions right off the bat. Uh, from my cube. One of them is the size, and the size is one that uh, really, really warps the cube because, one, uh, I think it's a necessary evil on Magic Online for replayability, even though it's only going to be on the client for a week, uh, at least this season. Um, you really lose so much replayability if you go to a smaller size, like 360 cards. Um, yeah, 540 yeah. is the, the standard on MTGO, right? Exactly, yeah. Sometimes 600 uh, has been the number in the past, but this time we're looking at 570. So right in between those two, um, still a very large cube. Um, this would be, <laughs> as someone who has spent a lot of time uh, trying to build an artifact cube, getting up to 540 cards already seems nearly impossible to me, and getting up to 570, I just, <laughs> I don't know how you would do it. Um, so that in itself to me is a huge challenge, a huge uh, kind of tax on the builder of the cube. 
And we don't know who this is, but I assume uh, it's David McDarby, uh, who is in charge of the Mag Magic Online um, alternative play calendar, among other things, on Magic Online. And Yeah, and he wrote the article also. Right, so. exactly. Um, so yeah, going on to the next big difference. Uh, this one is a little misleading. Uh, it says four copies of certain cards. Um, but really what that means is just copies of the bridges the indestructible artifact tap land cycle from uh, modern horizons 2 um, and these lands are excellent um, in general and excellent for this environment um, they're cute if you can like try to destroy them because they're indestructible but um, for the purposes of this cube uh, we're focusing on a different um, kind of way to take advantage of them and synergize which is the fact that they are artifacts in the type line um, so just a tap land that helps you get toward Metalcraft or provides another artifact to sacrifice to get in lethal damage or something like that uh, is really going to go a long way. These cards are very strong, and unlike a lot of the previous artifact lands, um, you know, which are not indestructible, these are much harder to interact with. Uh, so I can definitely, um, you know, if there were any card I were going to break Singleton for, I think it would probably be the Bridges. Um, so I think that that makes a lot of sense. Definitely understand um, that decision. One thing I was thinking about when, when seeing that these are four-offs is that uh, it really makes those uh, cards that animate artifacts and give them a power toughness like quite a bit stronger. Like you always, if you always have something lying around that's additionally indestructible to put your aura type of spell on, um, it really shape, will shape the format, I think. Yep. Yeah, I think you're 100% right. Uh, I know we've seen decks uh, that do that kind of thing with Darksteel Citadel uh, in Constructed in the past, which is kind of funny, the in-soul artifact decks with the giant scissors on your <laughs> on your Darksteel Citadel. Uh, I believe the Citadel is not in this uh, cube, which is interesting uh, because it seems like a pretty uh, fair inclusion to me if there are already plenty of um, indestructible artifact lands to go around. Um, I don't think the Citadel does anything you don't want it to do. Um, but yeah, something like Black Staff of Waterdeep uh, or something like Rise and Shine, which I know uh, you wanted to talk about later, cards like that yeah. uh, are just extremely potent when <laughs> you can't really interact with what they are uh, animating. Yeah, there's also more of them. Like there's Skilled Animator, which at least can die itself, and um, also Animating Fairy. So there's quite a few of these type of effects, and they will very often produce an indestructible attacker. <laughs> Something to be ready for. Sure. There's a world where you end up um, finding a way to exile it, or maybe you make a big enough blocker, but for the most part, I think the exile effects will be pretty light, because uh, specifically, if you're able to exile an artifact, well, then suddenly the bridges are a fair game for disruption again, and that's <laughs> not something you want. The final thing, and this was sort of the uncanny one, um, not... Uh, the craziest decision, I think, on the part of the cube builder, like not a totally unusual decision, but still one that was very, very surprising to me is that there are no green cards. Um, and I don't think we've seen a four color cube before on Magic Online. We've seen a, a number of shard and wedge cubes, but I believe this is the first one to exclude only one color. Um, and the reason that I made this decision for my artifact cube um, is because Green just doesn't really have a very interesting role with artifacts. Um, kind of exists in the world of interaction and destruction. This is actually not the first format that um, really resembled my artifact cube. 
shortly after I designed it, uh, Double Masters came out. And Double Masters really kind of exemplified um, some of the problems I was having with green, where, sure, maybe you can make some tokens. Uh, maybe some of those tokens are even artifacts in green. But for the most part, if you're putting a green card into a cube um, and it has the word artifact on it, it's because it's going to destroy an artifact. Um, so this cube... Yeah. I think issuing green is a really good decision. Um, and then the other thing, this is the really kind of crazy idea, is just recently Jakob and I were um, discussing whether it would be acceptable to have cards that use green mana, even if there aren't any green cards. Uh, so something like Golos comes to mind. Um, and we decided that the secret mana, Chamber Sentry 2 is another good example. Um, secret mana did seem kind of fun any artifacts that are able to produce mana of any color will do it, uh, and it gives people a reason to play a forest. The silly Magic Online um, feature that suggests basic lands will actually be correct some amount of the time when it <laughs> you need a forest. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, because um, there will be no fixing for it. That was also the plan that we had. Like, there's no green mana symbol. Um, mm -hmm. Like, there's no dual lands. Yeah, yeah, or, or Simic Signet or something like that. Right. You can play them and you have reason to play them. So like still remnants of green. And this is exactly what happened here. So this like just reading this bit me smile, like coming to basically exactly the same conclusion um, is pretty cool. It is. Um, to some extent, it feels like, you know, we're checking our answers. We were taking yeah, yeah. the test and <laughs> hey, maybe we it's hard to say whether we passed the test, but um we at least got the same answers on it. So, <laughs> yeah, that's also the exciting thing why I really wanted to have this early impressions or like early ideas episode. Um, also, to see like how will our ideas we have now line up with what happens after. And but this whole um, cube being on Magic Online is like a cool opportunity to see to test your ideas, like especially in the places where the two cubes uh, diverge from each other in the current state. Um, and you can maybe you will find something that you feel like is like amazing and it should be in your cube, or you find something that well is similar and is a problem and also shouldn't be in yours. Like you will see so much uh, from other people, so many decks and drafts and um, yeah feelings that fe people have towards the cube when it's when it's over. Exactly. Yeah, I can imagine myself having many tabs of which open, uh, looking for anyone drafting this cube. Um, and yeah, on the one hand, um, it feels like data that I analyze from this cube will really be limited in terms of how it applies to mine, uh, because there are so many differences. Um, but on the other hand, my cube could feasibly never go onto Magic Online. Um, there are cubes that I work on that could reach a size like this, um, but a lot of the cubes I spend time on are extremely tight. Uh, and I'm not saying that every card I include um, is a great choice. Um, so it's not tight in the sense that there are no mistakes being made, but just really thin bands of synergy that can't be stretched very wide. Um, yep. So that would just turn into traps when you blow the, the cube size up. Right. Or have the potential to turn into traps, and that's what you want to avoid there. Yeah. I do think that this cube would improve, uh, probably, if we went back down to 540 cards, because there are a number of cards that really don't do too much with artifacts at this point. Um, and we'll talk about those more a little later, but I also think they're friendly um, because if a card is in here it and it doesn't uh, you know, explicitly or implicitly 
connect to artifacts, then I think uh, for the most part, those recognizable cube cards, which uh, basically it's a helping hand for anyone who uh, isn't super familiar with all these effects. Um, just a friendly face saying, hey, I'm probably a good card. You should consider drafting me. My cube right now is sitting around uh, 350 cards. Um, it was actually smaller uh, previously when we drafted it uh, because I had 12 card uh, packs, which I think is another important distinction. Um, yeah, that's something then, we have never seen on Magic Online yet. <laughs> like different. Yeah. yeah, I wonder if we'll get that at some point. I mean, it seems yeah. like it's not the craziest change, but... I don't know. Basically, I think my cube probably still needs to be below 15 cards. I've been liking 13 recently as I've kind of discovered the importance of mana fixing. I think 13 cards per pack could be the right number for the environments I generally want to create. But regardless, um, the pack size, my cube is much smaller. Um, yeah. Another thing about my cube is the one time we drafted it, uh, Jakob trophied magnificently and it's possibly a big part of why he remembers the cube so fondly but uh you know <laughs> could never fault him for that um, yeah well when when we drafted that like i was lucky enough to open the best cards in the cube and also i got to pull off the the cute synergy that i wanted also so i had both in my deck <laughs> like the bombs and the cute synergy i was looking for when i saw the list so that's why like not only that I won, but like all of these coming together. One uh, major difference um, from my cube to this one is just the power band, so the range of cards in power level. And as you suggested, there used to be a relatively wide power band in my cube. Um, had a couple planeswalkers that just kind of reigned supreme. Uh, this was back when I was hoping it would be the Star Wars cube and each planeswalker would represent a force-sensitive character and this whole thing. Um, but we learned that uh, even if Dak is supposed to be um, a really cool, like, Obi-Wan, <laughs> it's just a little too good. And uh, the Duretti as Yoda is also pretty obscene. Uh, this time we do get Yoda or Duretti back um, in this artifact cube, and it's one of the stronger cards, uh, but there are some cards that I think are better than it. Uh, there are some absolutely insane cards that are dominating and have dominated constructed formats and for good reason. Uh, these are cards that scare me quite a bit because I yeah, not we'll only expect to lose to them, but yeah. <laughs> we will talk about them soon enough. Um, but for the differences, like um, one of the things is that there's very little cheap interaction with artifacts. In, or in general, I think there's relatively little interaction in like creature removal, but also artifact removal. I feel like it will not be a lot and it will be high picks. But how do you handle it in your cube? Yeah, so one thing about this cube uh, is I think you can kind of infer a lot of the live the dream influence. Uh, so you do see a lot of expensive spells, a lot of uh, kind of dreamy aspirational cards, if you will, that are trying to do really cute combos uh, or just create some really sweet, memorable moments, which I think is also really good for Magic Online. I think the Live the Dream cube has been a favorite on there for good reason. Um, but in my cube, the way I like to do interaction um, and the way I've been thinking about it and working on it is pretty much I want to have it be cheap, uh, as cheap as possible, even without um, creating huge blowouts. So I don't want someone to tap out for like a seven mana card and then someone plays like a one or two mana answer because I think that's <laughs> just a huge negative swing. At that point, why are you playing the seven mana card, right? If that's just what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, 
there are not very many uh, seven mana cards in my cube. Um, I think um, some of them gain immediate value. It's possible that a couple of them do, maybe even all of them. Um, but I think removal uh, and interaction in general really should be um, less scarce, and I think it can be cheaper. Like one of the cards that I tried um, toward the beginning was Embereth Shieldbreaker, uh, which is like a Manic Vandal on steroids um, <laughs> because, it, I mean, Manic Vandal in an artifact cube is a big problem. It's not a May, so um, <laughs> just doesn't always do what you want it to. But the Shieldbreaker, one mana to blow something up is already insane. And then you get a body on top of it, and it's just, <laughs> it's a really, really crazy um, equation there. Um, so that is not a card that I think is very appropriate, but Smash to Smithereens, for example, is a card that I think is very appropriate. Um, so it's not just Shatter, right? It's not just two mana, destroy an artifact. Uh, you also get that kind of Lava Spike attached to it. Um, and that really changes the equation in a way that I think is favorable, because um, it's cheap interaction, but it's also interesting. Sometimes you play it to destroy an artifact. Sometimes you play it to deal someone three points of damage. Um, and then sometimes you play it for both. So yeah, I don't know. I think that um, kind of putting a barrier on the low, the cheaper end of interaction is not the way I do things, but I think I understand it for um, how many expensive cards there are here. Yeah, what I was thinking a little bit is that it um, like attacks like one problem with two things. like. The lot of artifact, uh, the, all the artifact lands being indestructible, yeah. and the uh, interaction being a bit more expensive. Like both are like we don't want the mana to be disrupted. People should like be able to have a like a little more of a late game a plan, and yeah. Also in general, the, the mana curve being a bit higher. I think this this all is coming from the same design goal, which differs from yours. I think. Yeah. It really does. Um, I think that um, because of that, you'll see potentially, I don't want to say like dominant aggressive strategies, because I don't think that's what we'll see here. But I do think we'll see individual aggressive cards be extremely powerful. The one of them that yeah. we talked about uh, was Ragavan. Yeah. You exactly. want to come to this Not later? Not only no. aggressive ones. I think yeah. there's other cards that if they stick around, they are cheap, and if they stick around, they dominate the game. And I think this is something that could be a like a thing you will experience when you play this. But maybe I'm wrong there. I don't know. Um, but we'll get to those specific cards soon enough. Um, another couple differences um, would be just what the player pair is trying to support. Uh, so one nice thing for Boros, do you get um, equipment? And equipment are pretty sweet. Um, something we've definitely seen a lot. So if you've played a lot of Limited in the past year or so, you're probably very familiar with this theme being in Boros. Um, and I think that although it is a little trite, it's also something that, like, because it's trite, it's very well supported. Um, and, you know, for that reason... Yeah, and well supported is important for this size. Exactly, yeah. Um, the theme that I went with for mine in the Boros section is vehicles, um, because I think vehicles are really fun. And when I was originally going for that Star Wars theme, I thought they really uh, embodied some of the, well, vehicles that exist in the Star Wars universe too. Um, and then I just kind of enjoyed them so much and uh, played with them so little outside of this format that I thought that, uh, it would be cool if they stayed. Um, and equipment are pretty interesting. They 
are kind of similar to vehicles in that they're both difficult to interact with. Like for instance, uh, black in a cube like this has a very tough time interacting with both equipment and vehicles. Um, you get like daring demolition or something that can destroy a vehicle, but apart from that. Um, so the other thing too is that they create more, I would say like, uh, well, they play better with attrition equipment too, um, because vehicles don't continue to buff creatures. They just kind of act as their own creatures. Um, so I think you will see some grindier Boros decks potentially, um, which I think suits a cube like this well, because uh, we are kind of leaning toward the more expensive side of the curve. Um, and then another big change in terms of the gold section um, is we've we've gotten actually a ton of support in the past few sets of 2021 for um, for Rakdos. Uh, we've seen some blood tokens, we've seen some treasure tokens, and more importantly, we've seen a bunch of gold cards uh, that do some really powerful synergistic things, uh, especially at the uncommon level, but there are some that are uh, at the rare level too that are pretty powerful. Um, and for some reason, this cube isn't really interested in um, in either of those themes. And Rakdos yeah. actually has the smallest gold section in the cube, which is just pretty surprising to me. Um, but I think maybe the idea is at a size like this, you just can't really support um, those tokens. And even though they are you know, individually strong cards, um, maybe they are a little too misleading in terms of the theme. Yeah, maybe <clears throat> neither of the themes was deep enough and it didn't work well with each other, and then they went with a little bit more of a just general sacrifice theme. I feel like that's the thing again here. Right, yeah. Um, okay, so yeah, the next one. So this has really been a pet uh, archetype of mine because it's something that I knew very little about uh, and tried to teach myself all about. And I don't know everything about it, but uh, when it comes to KCI, I feel like I know quite a bit. <laughs> um, yeah, so what is KCI? Okay, so KCI is Krark Clan Ironworks. Um, that's what it means literally. And that card is mana for an artifact with uh, an ability, an activated ability that says sacrifice an artifact, add two colorless mana to your mana pool. Um, and so less literally what it refers to is uh, this kind of strategy that sacrifices cards, uh, artifacts specifically, over and over uh, to create some kind of loop or basically some kind of advantage that will win you and kci is in this um in this cube but not all of that support is there right so pretty so, much what what matters here is if you're going with a singleton strategy you really need the redundancy um and that means generally running worse cards in the cube uh if you're someone who's not super familiar with kci maybe you look at the cards like workshop assistant you say okay this card is bad and you move on even though it's actually a critical combo piece then regardless Without the redundancy, it's just never going to happen at the 570 size. So for me, KCI is an extremely like aspirational card. Like it makes me want to just first pick it. Like you know, who cares about trying to win anymore or do something that's going to be um, consistent? I just want to try to assemble this combo because it's so sweet when it works. But in this cube, I think that you should not do that. I don't. I don't think it's uh, you know the size is just so prohibitive in that way. Yeah. Uh, I do think it has a few corner cases in this cube where you could run it, but we'll talk about that soon. It's kind of confusing. It seems like there's support for eggs, which is another uh, complicated artifact combo deck. It's actually much more complicated, in my opinion, than KCI. Um, 
even though with KCI, there maybe are more tricks. I don't really know the score there. Uh, but specifically, you see like Reshape, which is a classic um, card for eggs. Uh, but you don't see Lotus Bloom. Uh, and you see, um, what is it, Faith's Reward, but you don't see Second Sunrise. So just kind of some strange decisions there that imply that you're supposed to go different routes of comboing than the uh, the usual. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, I feel like the comboing in this way is not really that much supported here. I think that was not the idea for adding these cards we just mentioned. I think they are like more, you should view them more as synergy pieces as than like a full combo. I think that's also like related that the combos are not there, which are really cool and some people are missing. I think that's also related to the decision of uh, limiting the interaction because these like good combo decks really require interaction to not be overpowered. And when you want to cut back on the interaction so more bigger splashy stuff is um, possible within the format, then uh, you would strengthen combo decks quite a bit. And I think that's also part of the reason why, I don't know, for example, um, Jasper was, was missing the Paradox engine. Um, I think that's one of the, well, Aetherflux Reservoir, this like stormy stuff. It's one of the yeah. reasons why these are not there. Yeah, and I think that's a really good um, call. I think you're very likely correct about those things. Um, it's a little bit odd, I think, because something like Live the Dream, which generally feels like it has a similar philosophy, probably would include um, combos of that nature. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, I think the strange thing here is, I mean, realistically, eggs is not going to work as <laughs> a cube archetype. And feel free to prove me wrong. I would love to see it if someone's able to accomplish that. Um, but it's just weird to me that the, um, I don't know, the pieces for that strategy aren't here. Like, sure, you don't um, have Conjurer's Bobble or whatever it is to prevent yourself from decking because it probably doesn't make sense in the cube. But it's still strange to me that we have Faith's Reward, but not Second Sunrise. And we have Reshape, but not Lotus Bloom. Like, those cards are just so... I don't know, kind of inextricably connected in my head. Um, but yes. Yeah. On. And with that, we come to the last section, I guess, which is what we <laughs> expect will be very good when, when drafting this, like cards to look out for that like stuck out to us. And yeah, maybe maybe you they will our list here will help you uh, drafting this. Maybe we are really missing something and then you can shout at us, which would be very nice. Um, <laughs> or maybe we... We now mentioned something which, uh, in the end, is not actually very good. That would also be interesting. But I'm, more, I'm I think it's more likely we overlook something that than to be completely wrong about these cards, which we think are powerful. Yep, for sure. I mean, day one of going through the list, like we're definitely going to miss some things. I think it's yeah, for sure. Um, so on our list, um, we have yeah, we sorted them into three categories. Um, the first one is um. Yeah, which we think are possibly mistakes. So these are our, our strongest takes that we think are really, really, really good and uh, you should take and will likely win games with them or lose to them. Then we have a few that are, well, duh moments. Like, I think that, I think most people would recognize them as very good in this format, but um, I think these are still, to some extent, power outliers. Mm. And um, yeah, in that category belong basically all the cards that don't interact with artifacts much or are not artifacts themselves, but show up in the Vintage Cube and are good there. If they are good there and do their thing by themselves, well, they will be good here. 
but there are other cards in this category. And the last category will be maybe the most interesting one, also the one that we are most likely to be wrong on. I expect we will be wrong on these. Probably miss a bunch of these and probably overrate at least a couple of them too. Yeah, I think so. These are the ones which we think are easy to underrate, um, but maybe worth to keep an eye on. So where do you think we should start? Probably uh, with the, on the top, right, with the more obvious ones. Let's, let's start with the constructs. Uh, we see a, <laughs> yeah. a few cards that uh, create them here, so... Yeah, yeah, let's start with those two immediately. Urza and his saga are here to dominate the format, I think. Yeah. And actually, I'm going to add Karn Scion of Urza, the original Karnstruct creator, uh, because no, we already have Planeswalkers in the uh, Welda category. I think this one is going to be a fair amount above the rest. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think with the exception so of Duretti. Yeah, then Urza Saga is like already very good in many format decks people have played it and know how strong it is and in this with artifact lands and so many other artifacts running around those constructs they will just be humongous and getting that out of your land i don't know i think this card while fitting well shouldn't be here and one thing that makes it even better is there's a lot of one cost artifacts running around um so you're even less likely to to miss there in your draft which makes this even better. And you don't even need to get, like, um, I don't know, something that actually does anything. <laughs> you could get Dark Steel Relic, zero mana, indestructible artifact that. That already up. makes it quite a better, yeah. Yeah, just plus one, plus one, your car instructs is already insane. Um, I'm going to go with the super hot take here. I think that Urza's Saga is probably the best card in the cube. <laughs> yes, I agree. Okay. Well, maybe not that hot, <laughs> but uh, still a pretty bold claim. I'm just yeah. surprised it's here. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> It'll be nice to see if we're wrong, uh, but I don't think we'll be wrong in terms of it not being a mistake. I think we'll be wrong because maybe something else will be a better card in the cube. Yes, um, so the next ones I want to talk about are two that I put on here because, well, it might not be obvious, but I put them both here because of them being, I think, one of the best interaction in this. It's one card we talked earlier about already, the Reti. Uh, the three mana Diretti. Four mana Diretti is also here and probably good. Much more cute though. But three mana Diretti, just having so much to sacrifice and destroy over and over again, being hard to interact with them itself. Um, I feel like the format does, will not have all too much uh, early board presence with the um, exception of probably red and white. So I think it's very hard also to get off the table. And it was just so, so good in your early Star Wars cube that I can't imagine Diretti being bad. I think it and Grist were actually two of the best cards in the Live the Dream cube that we had recently, too. Yeah. And the second one is Goblin Welder. And I think Goblin Welder is very, very strong in this, not because you do some weird reanimation of your own things, but I feel like it will really mess up your opponent's game plan for one mana dude. Yeah, so, this is a card that if I were to have this in a paper version of my artifact cube, it would be eroded, so it could only target my own stuff. <laughs> yeah, then it's a cool card, right? Then it's like you build around it and it works. But like this could be really oppressive. Um, let's. I, I want. To, I want to read it out again. Um, just everybody maybe knows roughly what it is, but um, it's I think important how how it works. So. It's for red, 1-1 one, one goblin. You tap it and choose target artifact a player controls. 
and target artifact in that player's graveyard. If both targets are still legal as this ability resolves, that player simultaneously sacrifices the artifact and returns the artifact card to the battlefield. So, the thing that I could foresee happening with this is if you ever get a 0-0 artifact creature in your graveyard, like a hangerback walker or... Stonecoil serpent. Yeah, any of those. Then this taps to destroy one of your artifacts. <laughs> and not so only that, it can even get your indestructible artifact lands because you sacrificed them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's actually hilarious, isn't it? Um, you know, they put so much thought and effort into not interacting with those indestructible artifact lands. But the worst interaction of all, one mana tap destroy, <laughs> destroy yeah. your land. Oh, so man. I think while I think these X-Cost artifact creatures are still good, you should keep in mind maybe you want to bot them out or be very yeah. careful with them if your opponent has a goblin welder. It can really ruin your day. Yeah, if my opponent shows me a welder, I am snap boarding anything like that out. Um, just because <laughs> I actually have this screenshot pulled up here of uh, last time I had a Goblin Welder in play. Uh, I think I destroyed four of my opponent's artifacts <laughs> with their Stone Coil. Uh, and yeah, they, played their... they were pretty brave, though. I mean, they kept fighting. They played their Golos, and then they packed it in when they realized it was also going to die. <laughs> um, yeah, It has a very nice um, flavor text in the version I have here, too, in the Commander That's Authority small. 2 volume. I wrecked your Metal Guy boss, but look, I made you an ashtray. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty much that might sum up your feeling when you <laughs> exactly when you target your opponent's stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, I think this card is a great pick, and it is a nice synergy card with um, Duretti. But you know, unfortunately, uh, that's probably not the most dangerous use. Yeah, and like even if if you're not for tap just destroying your opponent's stuff, you can still always give them the worst option of cards in their graveyard. Yeah, you don't like have to like completely destroy them to you know repeatedly disadvantage them yeah you can just give them like either spell bomb or in exchange for their darksteel colossus if you feel <laughs> so inclined it's something goblin well i can do so yeah i think the interaction on this guy is very easy to overlook and pro what will make it very good sure so one of your next ones uh something we already alluded to um rise and shine yeah, so if it were just the two-mana version of this, I think it's already very good. And that part is... I don't know how that will feel. Like, indestructible creatures running around um, as early as turn two. Let's see. Maybe, maybe it will not be a problem. But this card was very, very good in Modern Horizons 2 uh, <laughs> sealed and also draft. And my problem with it is very often it just ended the game, the turn it was cast, because people would have a lot of artifact lands around. And sometimes only those, like no other artifacts. But if you additionally have some food, treasure, clues lying around, yeah, it, most of the time you just cast and destroy the opponent. And the only way to interact with that was to counter it. And there's not many counters in this cube. I feel like there's two for three mana, or, three, or two or three for three mana, two for five mana, and that's it. it looks like there's one other card that I that can interact with it which is merciless eviction so or white and a black for a choose one total card um and you can exile exile all artifacts exile all creatures uh all enchantments or all planeswalkers of course you could choose artifacts or creatures in order to the cards um that get turned on from rise and shine yeah 
Yeah, I mean, you better do that pretty fast because otherwise you will just die. Like the opponent can just generate enough mana to, you know, maybe have a bunch of bridges that kill you instantly instead of like letting you untap, cast your own six mana spell. Um, yeah, I just think it's a very, very strong game ender that um, like you feel it coming, but you feel like you can't do anything about it. Right. I think that could happen with. Maybe I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong, but um, I feel like this could be a little bit not so fun. Maybe yeah. not as strong as the other things here. De well, definitely not as strong as most of what we talked about earlier, but still feel very punishing when it happens. If it plays anything like it did in Modern Horizons 2, then I, I think you're probably right. Um, next ones on here are some aggressive cards um, that I have selected. Uh, so some of my favorites, if I'm trying to win some matches of the um, regular uh, Eternal Format cubes on Magic Online. So one of those, of course, is Ragavan. Um, which I think is pretty clearly the best uh, one drop for mono red in most formats. Um, not in constructed, but in cube. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, this card is just such a powerful card. Uh, you don't even have to dash it for it to be good, which is really <laughs> kind I of. I think dashing it is rarely coming up. Sometimes, yes, right? Yeah. That's it's not really where you want to be. No, you just want to drop this thing on turn one. Hope your opponent doesn't have a blocker removal spell, and then suddenly you're winning. Um, treasure yeah. plus like, and, the card advantage. It's just insane. <laughs> and I think there is not much here in this cube in terms of interaction with it. Like Turn one, dispatch, tap it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's your option in white, I guess, when you're not blocking. I mean, you can portable hole it, I guess. Yeah. You can block portable it or portable hole it, but yeah. in blue, I mean, there's nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. In black, you also don't. Have, yeah, you have a few blockers and fatal push. Ragavan is well. Ragavan is as Ragavan does, and it likes to run away with games. Um, yeah, and even just... even against other red decks, like normally against another red deck, they would have like a million cards to interact with. But in this yeah, cube, sure. you have exactly Galvanic Blast, <laughs> and that's it. Like right. I feel like he he Ragavan will be better here than in any of the other cubes we've seen him in. Yeah, the one thing that I think could make it worse is that Ragavan plays so well with removal um, that, you know, even uh, though with it's better see, because yeah. it's... Yeah. <laughs> but, like, I think that's still, all things being equal, I think you're still probably right. It's probably just going to be insane Ragavan City because the treasure is also so valuable here. It's not just another mana, it's also another energy piece, and that's really important to remember, too. Um, but yeah, I mean, Ragavan's stupid, but... <laughs> um, Another card that I think is going to fly away with game—I don't know—Smuggler's uh, Copter. I mean, this card is probably—I don't know if it's like the best pack one pick one off the top of my head. If you're forcing aggro in the Eternal Format cubes, but it might be because it goes, goes both. into yeah. I mean, it goes into mono red, goes into mono white. Um, in this cube, it goes into any deck. Uh, like, I could be playing a controlling deck and I would still play a Copter. Like, this card is so good that even if you are a little short on creatures to crew it, I think you run it anyway. The rate on it is so insane. The looting is so powerful, especially if you're playing a low-to-the-ground deck uh, that easily is going to find an excess of lands. Uh, the evasion is super powerful, and the fact that it only gets hit by um, instant speed removal and shatters uh, probably goes a decent distance, too. Another thing is... Um, I think people forget this card was banned like <laughs> you know this thing was not acceptable in standard so um yeah. oh and then speaking of cards being banned 
uh, and otherwise not being acceptable. Had to throw one of these onto the possibly mistake tier. We have another one in the uh, well dot tier. Companions, um, cards that have changed magic forever, uh, you know, particularly constructed. And we have Lurus here, which is arguably the best one of all, arguably the best creature of all time, etc. <laughs> Just a really, really, really good card. Um, not tons of synergy. I mean, I guess the joke is you crack your spell bomb and then you like replay it and you have a, another spell bomb. But um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's just not basically impossible to companion, I think. Um, but you don't need to companion it, I think. Right I think to... some people will manage to companion it. <laughs> Can you really Maybe do it, not. though? I don't know. There's I don't know. So, I guess if you really get there on the um, cards that aren't permanents, huh? But I don't know. If you're, if you're playing some rise and shine artifact animation theme cards i think could work but yeah i don't know yeah regardless i mean you don't need to companion it for it to be busted but i think it's closer towards the well the category than the other thing we had yeah i think this one i mean it's more of like a terrifying value piece than like an outright win the game thing the way like yep. saga or like the aggressive cards do um but yeah, the next one that we do have in the well duh category is Zerda. And I think this one, maybe, probably, is easier to companion. Um, Zerda does some pretty silly things too, though I think they're not possible here, uh, fortunately. So no um, infinite mana combos with Zerda I, that I know of, um, but it's still, <laughs> it's still a companion. And that means that, you know, if you can draft your deck in such a way that you start with an eighth card in your hand every game, well, it's still going to be pretty insane. Yeah, I don't know. I, f I feel like you need to make... S I mean, when you companion it, you will obviously also make use of the ability. Yeah. So I think that's what... Like, it's not not just the creature. It, yeah, it's synergizing with everything else in your deck then would be very good. But this one, yeah, I think could be cool. I don't know. I haven't really seen it shine in any other cube yet, so let's see. I do have... Uh one cube for you where i have played zerda and it did shine that's actually um our community member in previous uh podcast yes yep exactly Two ah, yeah um cool which one would you like to talk about next in this category um i think there's a few that we can um group again um it's cranial plating and nettle cyst and yeah there's a few others that work in a similar way that just count the number of artifacts you have mm. um for me nettlesith is like a it's a construct card like that thing is basically yeah. like urza and the saga and you know old yeah deal. it's like probably very good on the front side already that's just huge for not that much mana and then sticking around as an equipment afterwards um i think this card will be very very good yeah, i think it's probably probably the best of the cards in this category yeah cranial plating is also another one of those um I mean, this card also was banned, I believe. It just kills very quickly. Um, <laughs> I don't know. This one, I'm not sure about. Then Emery also goes a little bit in that direction, getting cheaper. Um, I, I think it will very often just cost one mana and be a threat that has to be dealt with. Otherwise, it will, like Lurus, run away with the value it generates. And yeah, I feel like the interaction is so little that this card will be very good. Yeah, Emery is a card that I trying to include currently in my artifact cube it's like the first one of these that i <laughs> am kind of okay with um and it's a little bit sad i think because i really like the cards like goblin engineer that really make you do the work 
to get some sweet value. Um, but even though Emery doesn't require very much work, uh, it's still a pretty cool card. Um, feels like what like what Goblin Welder should be, if that makes sense. Um, and then another one that we have alluded to is just Planeswalkers in general. Uh, we already talked yep. about Duretti and we talked about Karn. But pretty much uh, any value engine, <laughs> like a Planeswalker that you know is just going to do something every single turn um, without costing you any mana except up front to do it, they're all going to be very powerful here. Um, yeah, and then this category, the last thing you added is two mana ramp. Yes. Um, and so a big part of this is just generally true in cubes. Um, like people go nuts over signets uh, a lot of the time in the Magic Online uh, eternal format cubes. And a big part of that, in my opinion, is not just because signets ramp you and fix your mana, it's because otherwise, what are you doing on turn two? You're yeah. not playing a deck that <laughs> adds to the board with like a creature. You know, are you just passing the turn? Do you have a counter spell or removal up? Nice thing about signets is, you know, they're not reactive pieces. They are active pieces that, you know, encourage your own game plan. Um, the thing that differs about them, though, is I actually think they're worse in the uh, Magic Online Eternal uh, format cubes than this one, because the spells in those cubes are generally cheap, um, like by comparison, whereas a lot of the spells in this cube are really expensive. So I think the ramp is even better here. Uh, it's even at more of a premium. Don't forget, too, that they're also synergy pieces counting toward your Metalcraft or just another artifact to sacrifice. Um, <clears throat> so and they don't get blown up for cheap either it's cheaper so. to play them than to react with them and i think that's basically it's always going to advantage the person playing them right um and yeah i guess that's pretty much it for them uh one thing to note is we don't have signets we do have talismans which are very similar pretty comparable but we do have the mana mirror as well the mirror are really sweet uh, they've been in my artifact cube before very easy to interact with. They do have multiple types and one toughness. Some more sweet pieces of ramp that are going to be high picks. And it's nice to see some uh, respect for these cards that don't show up in these formats very often. Yeah. And now we come to the, which I think are easy to underrate. Mm -hmm. And I will be going out on a limb here with my first one that stood out to me. Um, I put this Pedas capsule here. It's just for one white, an artifact that for two colorless or two generic and a white, you can sacrifice, destroy an artifact or an enchantment. And yeah, mm -hmm. it's, it's a steep price to pay. Um, and I think it's worse than I initially thought it would be because there's not a huge load of cards that interact with one cost or cheaper artifacts, um, like play them over and over again. But if you put this together with Lurus or with Emery or... Another card we'll talk about next, maybe Aurex Salvagers. You added that. Maybe you want to talk about it then in a second. Um, <laughs> coming back over and over again, interacting with um, your opponent's stuff, which I think is not so easy to do in this cube, I think will be very good. So I think it's okay as a card by itself, but it's also a synergy piece. And I think that card is, I mean, it was unplayable as a sideboard card in its original format, I think. <laughs> and I think here it's um, main deckable to. Very good if you have enough synergy. So I think that's my first pick. Uh, I think that's a good call out. Um, for me, this card is not one that is um, likely to be so good that you should be like first picking it or something like that. But I do think it's a card that people will kind of glaze over. Um, and 
avoid drafting when they probably should. Uh, so I still expect it'll get underrated quite a bit. Um, but I agree that you know, it's not the cheapest interaction um, because it is three to activate on top of the one to cast. Um, but any um, you know way you have to recur this, uh, like we talked about, is going to be great. Um, and it's also just a one mana artifact that sits in play for your affinity or whatever else you might need that for. Um, so yeah, and for the Oryx Salvagers, you added those. Like it's um, yes, from the, for, to some people known from the Bomberman combo right. <laughs> that nobody's ever playing anymore. But yeah, yeah. so that's uh, a really interesting one because I didn't even know very much about Bomberman at that point uh, when I added it to my artifact cube. It's actually the thumbnail for um, I one draft video of that cube because I enjoyed um, well, the I drafted the deck around that card. The card was excellent for me, um, and yeah, I don't know. I was just really happy with it. Went into the cube thinking a lot about that card, designing the cube in such a way that that card would really perform, and um, it worked out, so that was great. Um, but yeah, Bomberman, uh, for anyone who doesn't know, basically it's just infinite mana with that thing. You get Lion's Eye Diamond, and then the one in a white uh, is less than three mana you generate with the diamond, and that means you can... Um, spend infinite mana on whatever you need to win the game. Maybe that's, um, you know, a walking ballista or something like that that you have in play as a 1-1. You just, like, pump it over and over. So, yeah, Bomberman, that's actually something that was asked of me um, when we first uh, did the draft. Someone asked if the Bomberman combo is in here. Presumably because they had the Salvagers in their pack. answer was no. And salvagers got passed to me. I drafted it. Was really happy with it, etc. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of my evidence, I guess, for this being a card that you can underrate easily. Um, you don't have to go infinite with it for it to be very powerful. Uh, just you know, playing it with spell bombs, playing it fairly, is a really powerful thing to do. The density of one mana artifacts uh, that you can return for value is not that high here. I mean, keep in mind it also works with x cost cards so it's a good synergy card here um yeah then another card i added here um which i think could maybe slide even into the possibly mistake tier is um marionette master and it's for four and two black uh one three with fabricate three so it's either a four six or a one three and three one ones and when an artifact you control dies it deals damage or an opponent loses life equal to Marionette Master's power. And, and it's very similar to another card on the list, Disciple of the Vault. Uh, Disciple's a little yeah. different because it's a 1-1 one, one, and it drains someone when any artifact dies, not just one you control, and you yeah. know, doesn't care about the power. But anyway, continue. Yeah, I think Marionette Master will very often play in a similar way as Rise and Shine, but require a bit more synergy. You will need a sec outlet on the board. You play this. And you don't produce the one ones, and you just sack two, two, three artifacts and dome your opponent for twelve. Um, yeah, I think this card will end games, and it's also hard to interact with at that point. Yeah, um, I agree with pretty much everything you said. I think this card is very scary as a four six, as a one three. It's still pretty good, but I mean, the yeah, the one three is like the panic people. mode version. Like, <laughs> I think the plan yeah. is to win the second this hits the battlefield. Pretty much right. You just spend the earlier turns of the game setting up ramping something like that getting your sack outlet in play um, and there are enough sack outlets for example the uh kci i think like if you have marionette master and maybe a few other smaller synergies 
Casey Eisenhower can include. Yeah. Just having this as a two-card combo, I think. Casey I can even sack itself. Yeah. I think it would be enough for me. I don't know. It makes me sad still because that's just not what I want to do with KCI, but... Um... <laughs> well, I know, I know, but it kills the dead. Yeah, killing people is still pretty good. Um, please don't take that out of context. And um, <laughs> yeah, I think you might have convinced me if I get like a hanger back walker, you know, maybe I can still have a use for the marionette master with KCI plan. Yeah, yeah the disciple... The scaled down version. Yeah, I think for a one drop it would do a lot of damage. Yeah, I think that's another kind of big draw of it, right? The fact that it is one mana in an environment with very few cheap cards and cheap, uh, like very few interactive cards. Like this thing is just yeah. going to get in for probably two or three damage a game by attacking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then it will deal like, I don't know, another six to ten to them over the course of the game. Sounds good to me. Yeah, the th the fact of it being like whenever any artifact dies, it's very much like Mayhem Devil in that way, um, where like, you know, if you're trying to do your thing, if you're trying to like sack your own artifacts, well, you know. Yeah, I really think this card will be <laughs> a real pain. Yeah. Yeah, then I added one also that it's nowhere near the power level of the others. Like maybe something like the, the capsule. Um, I added Ingenious Smith, um, mm. and I mainly added it it looks good in this format, so it's for one and a white. It's a one-one. When it comes to play, you look at the top four cards of your library, and you can take an artifact, reveal an artifact, take it into your hand, mm -hmm. and whenever you play an artifact, you put a plus one plus one counter on it. Um, I think it's with artifact lands being a thing, it's just so unlikely to miss that it's a two-for-one, and it will grow very quickly. I think it's just a very good um, card in this. Not yeah. broken, but very good. I don't, I'm trying to imagine what the floor is. The floor is like you somehow miss because you are playing like a Luris deck and you <laughs> you have like four non-permanent spells or like, you know, um, and even then you're, you're going to find some kind of artifact to put into play that it's still going to grow. It's still going to at least become like a 2-2. The floor on this is like, you know, pretty darn high, even if you miss. Um, yeah, I think it would just very, very often be a 4-4 or 5-5-4-2 mana that could draw you through your card. Yeah, just like uh, Impulse or whatever. And it also sees play, I think, in Modern. I don't know about um, other formats, but I believe, yeah, this is a card for Hammer Time. It's it's just easy to overlook because it was not all too well regarded in uh, AF8, AFR draft. And if you drafted this a lot, your eyes might glance over. Otherwise, I think we got a too big of a gems, secret. A couple gems from AFR that... Uh, white cards that interacted with artifacts um, that, you know, probably didn't do too much in the limited format. The other one being Oswald, a Fiddlebender, which is the white oh, yeah. artifact birthing pod on the two drop in that card. I mean, that's probably, I don't really expect people to underrate this one, given that we have regular birthing pod as the only quote-unquote green card in this cube, but um, it's still a very good one. Yeah, There's so that's from our list, I think, everything? Yep, so time for some bad cards. <laughs> 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 all right yeah we'll do that okay so this is so my urza saga claim i wasn't very confident about at the time about it being the best card in the cube but i am pretty confident in this one uh, so i was actually scrolling through trying to see if there were any die rolling cards which is maybe a strange thing to look for um, <laughs> <laughs> um but in particular i was looking for the um one morning star there we go cube but we don't have the morning star um, and so I just happened from that search 
to stumble upon a little card called Treasure Chest. <laughs> I mean, it would it be better card. here, maybe, than an AFR. I mean, it's worse because the power level is so much higher, but at least the net 20 is not a absolute fail case anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, if the 20 is as bad as the 1, then I think you're in trouble. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this card is just, uh, I don't know. I don't even want to call this a Live the Dream card because Live the Dream does stuff. Like if you yeah. play your Apex Predator or whatever in Live the Dream and you cascade four times, even if you hit like two counter spells, you're still gonna <laughs> you're still gonna do something, you know? Like yeah. you're still gonna get your value. You're, even if it's random, uh, even if there's a lot of variance. This one you can get nothing. You can just deal yourself damage effectively. So and you have to sink seven whole mana into this card. <laughs> no, like, it's not happening. It's just not... Yeah, the next one on your list here, I think I might disagree with. You put Ornithopter in here. And in many cubes, we have uh, talked about how terrible this is. Um, I don't know if this is the case here. I could something. Yeah, this is kind of going back to my um, argument about Darksteel Relic for the Urza Saga, right? That like, yeah. you know, even giving your constructs plus one plus one is something. This card is basically just like zero mana for having the word artifact on the battlefield, which is, you know, it's not nothing. Um, but I still don't think it's worth a card. Um, but there's so many cards in this that positively interact with this that I feel like this should still go late, but I think it has a spot. I don't know. For me, this card, the problem is every single other card, for the most part, does the same job better. Like... Even something I don't like know, Moonlight. If I have like cranial plating and metal cyst and I don't know. Yeah. But are you ever blocking the cranial plating creature anyway? I mean, you have to get to quite a bit of mana. It's just a, it's just an early drop card that makes it a bit stronger. Like I, I guess I I'm agree paying one mana for my signal pass to attack with it with something equipped on it, and I'm willing to pay zero mana for a card that's even a little bit worse. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. Now <laughs> I'm thinking about how Hope of Giraper, it's like kind of the same story, where it's like, it's a creature, I guess. That's fine. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but even, I don't know. I think you, this is a card that like, basically if you were evaluating cards individually, you would never play it. But if you have the deck with the equipments, basically if your deck is really great, then maybe you play a bad card, but... I think it will be overrated, though. I think it should go mid to late. In the pack and it will probably go earlier and but i think ultimately like the problem is it just doesn't do anything on its own like even if you live the dream of like getting your affinity card to play like much earlier or even if you have this to sacrifice and like kill someone with or even if you can equip it and make it huge in every single case you're relying on something else that's better right you're relying on your equipment you're relying on your affinity card you're relying on your sacrifice outlet so yeah I don't know. And your Oreo and Soul Artifact type of card. Right. It's a risky one at that point, but yeah. I will lose to this, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. and Soul itself is not in the cube, but... Um, yeah. All right, and then... The next one I have on the list is Masterwork of Ingenuity, which is a one-mana <laughs> artifact. Um, and that is the mode that I would play it for. Um, yep. If I really need a one-mana artifact that does stone nothing, because what it normally does comes to play and copies an equipment. But I think in very many cases, having one equipment is exactly the number you need, and mm -hmm. the second one is a bit overkill. So I think this card is pretty bad, but... 
it's still a cheap artifact that could do something. Yep. I don't know. It's, like, I don't think it's great. Yeah, the situation, I think, where you want, like, a second cheap equipment is... I mean, you already have to be in a very specific spot. I think you need, like, Bone Splitter in play already, or something like that. I guess Blood Bone Force Battle Axe. That's great, I think. You're just navigating yourself into a spot where... Um, opponent's removal really wrecks you. But do the opponents have removal? Like, Yeah, I guess. Maybe they don't in this. Yeah, that could be a... I don't know. It's Copying cranial plating is something... I think if you copied Nettlesyst, then it's just game over, but um, for the most part, I think that, yeah, this this is a card where it's, it's a little bit like the Ornithopter argument, where you need to really leverage a better card for it to do something, but, like, turned up to 11, because... I mean, it really does stone nothing. Um, yeah, you, and then yeah. very similar card, Bludgeon Brawl. <laughs> uh -oh. Like, what? <laughs> it's an enchantment for two and a red, and it makes all your non-creature, non-equipment artifact into equipment. So how many do you want to turn into equipment? And, well, um, you, and you think, well, how, how would it be if I turn all my artifact um, lands into equipment? Well... This card uh -oh. makes them into an equipment with equip X, where X is its converted mana cost. So, free equip. That's nice. <laughs> and then, equip creature gets plus X plus zero, where X is also the mana cost. So, it just, with this, it doesn't really interact at all. So, you just I somehow. The interaction, I think the interaction with Bludgeon Brawl is you try to get your reimbursement equity by trying to equip the lands for free. And if they don't work for some reason, <laughs> maybe you paid for your draft. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's. May Maybe there's just is there some card that gets bigger for the the more equipment you bunk on it or something? Um, like Champion of the Flame comes to mind. I don't think we have anything like that here though. Um, oh yeah, with with Brunor. Um, oh yeah, okay. Each creature gets plus two plus zero for each equipment attached attached to it. So if you yeah. have Brunor, you have this, and you have a bunch of artifact lands, you can all equip them for free, and then they give plus two plus zero. <laughs> so I guess there's something. <laughs> That's actually kind of sick. I mean, I think, <laughs> yeah, it's but it's very, lot, I think it's a lot of work. Oh, for sure. It's a ton of work, and I think it's still terrible. I think the best <laughs> thing you could probably do with this card is play a bunch of the cantripping artifacts. Maybe you play like um, Thicker Wellspring, or you play like Guild Globe. There are a lot of these, uh, actually a lot more than I would run, because I don't think very many of them actually do things. Wedding Invitation is another one. Um, even uh, Spare Supplies. Uh, which is one that I like quite a bit more. Sleeper Dart, too. Because these cards, they all give you like some utility on their own, which like compensates you for mulligan yeah. with, with Bludgeon Brawl. Um, and then, you know, it's like reasonable to have like a more expensive... Uh, it's still bad. It's, also, it's a bit sad that it doesn't work with SRAM, for example. Whenever yep. you cast an aura equipment or vehicle spell, draw a card. It works the point. with Steel. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. Actually, it uh, works with pure steel in more than one way, right? Because if you um, have three artifacts, then you can move them around for free, and they are equipment as soon as they enter the battlefield, so they're actually all drawing you cards. So it's just SRAM that they really fail with. Yeah, I guess. So I think this card is still terrible, but <laughs> I'm really looking forward to some cool screenshots with somebody doing the pure steel paladin uh, bludgeon or combo deck. Oh yeah, all, all <laughs> I might try there. that once. It sounds like fun. It sounds like a nice one-two, but also fun. Yeah, yeah, okay. It's a it's a cool meme. So um, don't draft it, but um, I think we're at the point where you can appreciate this being one of the 570 cards. <laughs> yeah.
<laughs> yes. Okay, and the very last one here, you've added Madcap Experiment, which is an aptly named card, and I'll yeah, stop implementing it right there. I don't really get why you would really want that, like, which deck this would belong to. Like, it's it's a sorcery, and you reveal cards until you reveal an artifact, put it into play, and you get it deals you damage equal to the number of cards you reveal, roughly. Not quite sure uh, about the details. I, my least favorite thing about this, so this is like a very fringe constructed deck maybe constructed is too generous and i should say more of like an a saffron olive against the odds kind of deck where you put like uh what is it platinum uh imperion into play right which and is then, in the cube uh and then your life total actually doesn't change uh with madcap experiment because even though it says it deals damage to you the imperion's already in play at that point so you take no damage but there isn't really a single other card it works with and i say that while staring at Platinum Angel, because even though you can put Platinum Angel into play, even though you don't die if you do that, <laughs> like you kind of do die. It's it's a little yeah. bit like yeah, it it just doesn't work <laughs> because as soon as your opponent removes the angel, you just instantly lose the game. Um, I think you would also have to build your deck very weirdly to make this happen. Like there's so many artifacts that you want to play. Like how are you bending your deck to get the Imperion combo in there? Like, yeah. if this card and Imperion were in a small cube with not a lot of artifacts, then I could see it. Yep, yeah. I think, um, basically, the way I would rank these, I would say probably Zerda is the easiest companion to make work, and then Luris, and then Madcap Experiment. <laughs> um, <laughs> but Yeah, but the Madcap Experiment you still have to draw, so yeah, sad times. Yeah, exactly, right? Yeah, I think we covered a lot. Um, I'm really looking forward to playing this. Uh, yeah, I think we will learn a lot. And I think just talking about it and um, looking at the list with you and finding some less... I like the Bludgeon Brawl now. Like, I don't know. I, 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 I love it now, um, even though I hated it just seconds ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad, uh, glad you're, you know, coming around on that one. That's, that's what I want to take away <laughs> to be. I want everyone else to draft Bludgeon Brawls. <laughs> and maybe yeah, I yeah, yeah. Trophy. So... Yeah, I can't wait till this is up. Um, I'll try to get this out very quickly. Um, yeah, thanks for sharing your experience uh, about designing a similar cube and playing it once, at least. Sure. Pleasure recording with you as always. And um, yeah, really looking forward to playing this thing. Hopefully you'll be able to stream it a little bit. And uh did just finish finals sort of today. So <laughs> yeah, congrats. Um, thank you. Yeah, not maybe as impressive as already having my doctorate, but uh, we can't all already have doctorates so <laughs> um, <laughs> all right well uh, thank you all for listening to this episode hope you have enjoyed it and uh, make sure to compare uh, once our part b uh, comes out and we do you know a review of uh, not only the cube but also our initial takes we see exactly how right or wrong we were yeah we... and shout at us as soon as you know we're wrong right <laughs> then we can include it in the next episode for sure we want to learn as quickly as possible so if you have any information to share with us please do you can find our discord uh it will be linked here and yeah always looking for new community members pretty happening place these days and um lots of cool drafts coming up during the holiday season too as i uh have a little more free time to host them so yeah or you can find us on twitter but would be great to have you in our Discord. and I'll see you in the queues all right thanks for listening happy cubing bye